You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Micheline Thomas. Micheline, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Micheline, we're going to talk about your show at Yancey Richardson, which is running through November 11th of 2023. And um, I want to get right into the works, but to talk about the the title a little bit, it's it's French, right? Chute d'Or. And um, I wanted to ask you about that because as I'm looking at that title and thinking about it, uh, it seems to have more than one meaning. Uh, jet, of course, is in there as well as, as this French phrase about love. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that title? Well, the title, you know, for me, is really about thinking about the images and the adoration and desire that is portrayed um, in the photographs, but also my relationship to the work and my relationship to seeing myself in the work and a sense of agency, but also wanting to uh, provide some context to the materiality and the material where it comes from, um, the relationship to where these images were. They resided at one point as a... Um, centrifold or images and calendars for uh, jet beauties of the, of the month. And wanting to have the name jet in there, but also, you know, the desire and attribution towards love and um, that play with um, writing something for me and saying that just seems more poetic when it's in French than in English. <laughs> Um, You know, and, you know, I think it's just uh, lends itself to, you know, the admiration I have and the love for the language and and, um, these images themselves. And... um you know the the show is very powerful, and 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 these are these are large works. Uh, to talk about some of them and um, and 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 what's happening here, um, for example, and you don't have them in front of you, but November 1977. This is uh, something that is a a full frontal nude. There's rhinestones and and dive sublimation. And this is a pretty large work. Um, I'd like to talk about process, but first I feel like we should talk about the content here. You're saying this is, you know, obviously about how um, the black body is portrayed and in, in to uh, to a very specific readership. And and you mentioned that your um, it also has to do with how you're seeing your body, right? This is how how. Uh, you're growing up looking at these images and this and it obviously reflects like wider concerns but is that what we're talking about or what you're talking about when you say it has a a personal I I didn't grow up looking at black erotica I grew up looking at very incredible beautiful images of black women in the jet magazine and I grew up looking at these images as positive figures and um attributions of who I was and who, what is possible to be in the world. Um, and those were the beauties of the week, which is completely different than these images. Um, the beauty of the week were uh, women who um, were everyday women who lived their lives and, uh, you know, sent in their photographs to be highlighted and, and 
sort of uh, celebrated in a way um, by uh, talking about uh, particular things that they enjoyed doing as, you know, they were most of them were college girls and most of them were career women and they wanted to be highlighted, like highlighted as if they were like similar to like a beauty pageant. Um, it was a space for that and this printed matter of Jet Magazine because uh, there was no pl- real platforms of contributions for black women to, to do that. Um, or they were excluded from most of those other pageantries. Or, um, so um, these spaces were created by Johnson Publishing to present them and highlight them and create that space for them. So those are the images I grew up. These particular images, the beauties of the month, were images that I discovered much later and did not know existed. Um, although, you know, they were out there in the world and some people know of them, they're actually coming to the forefront much more because, you know, Johnson and Pup, Pup Publishing has closed. These images are surfacing. They're on, you know, through estates and, you know, Getty and Four Foundation are, you know, they have sort of they purchased these images, and so there's some accessibility to them now. Um, I was not aware of these images as a child, um, although I'm very interested in black erotica, and I think black female erotica is very important. Um, sensuality and sense of desire is really important for all women to be able to express without being villainized as, a, um, you know, something other than uh, exuding sort of that expression. Um, and for me, it's, you know, comes from being inspired by the black womanhood um, and the black female body, you know, written and uh, published in collaboration with Deborah Willis and Carla Williams of how, we personify ourselves and how body positivity and one form of body positivity is that we're not ashamed to show that sense of desire. We're not ashamed to show our nudity. We're not ashamed to show our body and the very and, and that they are. And um, in these in these works, that, that makes a lot of sense. In these in these works, um, there's there's to talk about process. There's drawing on top of them, collage elements with with also rhinestones and other things. The drawing, what what appears to be drawing on top of it, um, is sometimes uh, drawing over features, accenting features, um, and uh, you know, and, and drawing around the breasts, accenting you know, and, and accenting those as well as hands. Um, that seems to be making a further statement on it, right? This is sometimes how we see um, erotica or even things that are, um, you know, not quite erotica, but interacted with in, in subway posters, for example, people people drawing on it, highlighting certain parts um, uh, often yeah, that are sexually suggestive. Yeah. yeah, sexually suggestive, suggestive because I think, you know, specifically in America, there's still this very conservative way of thinking of nudity and how we see it. And sometimes there's a, a shyness or giddiness around it, you know, ooh, you know, in a in like childlike way of like, 
the exposure of that and like what that means, what it looks like. And I was just thinking of myself as a young girl who would have seen these for the first time, <laughs> the discovery of that and like being very uh, alarmed by it, but also really, um, you know, excited and just, you know, happy and celebrating that in a way where you just, you know, if they were, and or if you put them on your wall or something and you just kind of went and, you know, wanted to deface it or sort of like, you know, express it or sort of pronounce some of the shapes even further. And also for me, it was like really thinking about creating a, another layer for the viewer, especially when you're standing in front of these um, the way their collage allows this monumentality for the images. And uh, for me, the drawing, the gesture, almost act activates it in a space and almost makes them alive. It makes them feel as if there was this movement, you know. And art is about visual, you know, um, illusion and also it's about you know really allowing the viewer to experience something new and for me I wanted to really provide my own sort of signature and gesture into the work you know and the rhinestones do that that gestural mark does that um, and uh, it almost activates the image as if they, you know, if I was to photograph them, sort of, sort of, uh, glitch or movement or the shutter, you know, the glaring of it. It was just a real play and to tell the sort of this less seriousness to, um, nudity, nudity and, and how one may experience it. Um, that there's this sense of play and joy with it, you know, and that we should be open about how we see uh, bodies, and specifically black bodies in the nude. Um, and and, and the, the, the rhinestones, which you mentioned, yeah, are such an interesting element to it. Sometimes they're used in, to drawing lines all around it, but of course this is a very different effect, right? This is the shining, they're picking up light there, um, they're like stars, and and so the use of that is different than the other collage, right? I mean, they're all collage elements that are accenting in a different way, but rhinestone seems like a very, um, very unusual way to use the material, and and also a kind of adornment that's um, that's being added onto the bodies as opposed to a line that's accented. It almost feels like a, like like jewelry uh, being being put on them, yeah, almost like yeah, the I way mean, you put gifts. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think one can think of it as as jewelry, or you know, I think um, thinking of a line or sort of that motif of drawing on something as a way of you know celebrating sort of the image and. Uh, it's a gestural nod more formally, but also thinking of, you know, black bodies that have sort of, you know, markings on them and how that is a sense of desire, that's a sense of celebration, a sense of, you know, heritage, a sense of, uh, um, 
you know, adornments, I, I think adornment is also a form of, you know, and think and natural to black, many black bodies as part of, uh, you know, our cultural heritage. Um, and so for me, that thinking of the rhinestone as more than just, you know, a sense of uh, jewelry. It's, 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 it's more about uh, really bringing something that can be very celebratory to um, the image and, and elevating them to a, a level of uh, um, the beauty of these women and, and, and thinking about the notions of beauty and sort of what that brings to the image themselves. Well, that's that's uh, the other layer, right? The notions of beauty. What what is beautiful? Um, you know. Uh, so so in in part of this kind of dialogue that you're having with the image, there's that too, right? Like what is what is beautiful? What is what is the photographer? What is the publisher? What does the magazine think is beautiful? Which is determined by certain cultural um, fixations at the time, right? It's not necessarily what it is now, but it's it's is that also commenting on, on the kind of, you know, sort of framing the, 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 the strictures, the restrictions of what beauty was? I mean, we still do that, right? What's, what is beautiful and, and what, what does it mean for a black body to be beautiful? Um, this is, this is time specific uh, as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, when you think about framing the female gaze and, you know, there's a lot of political and social issues around, um, you know, the of women and how we see it. For me, the female gaze is how I see and It's how I see it, and I can only tell those stories, you know. And I think, you know, when I seek subjects, uh, um, you know, as an artist, I seek subjects uh, for their work, from, you know, works from the past as a, a way of creating new images that can change the way we thought we know them and the, the way we thought we see them or how we thought they were presented at one point. And it's, it's about presenting something new. And I also think going back to the idea of body positivity, when you think about that, when you think about images and, and, and the nude today, they don't look like these natural black bodies. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, body manipulation and sort of, you know, plastic surgery and things that I have, people are doing to their bodies that look completely different. A lot of these women that are portrayed in these images, they're their breasts are natural, they, some hang low, some, you know, it's just like, it's, you know, and it, there's a softness to their skin, you know, you see some have dimples in their, in their thighs and cheeks, and so there's a different naturalness to the beauty that I think is really important for women to see themselves and, and know that, you know, we this is how our bodies are, that we don't necessarily have to conform and change to a superficial beauty that is prescribed to us because of magazine or society or the male gaze. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. And, you know, I was, um, so to talk about the gaze, the gaze of um, of the collector, I'd, I'd be interested to talk about a little bit. And, you know, your work is widely collected, of course. And I recently read um, a play by Claudia Rankin. It was called The White Card. And, and, and the play was very interesting. It was about um, a white family, collectors, and who collected largely art by uh, African-American artists, and they had a guest over and a gallery owner, and, it, and they, were, they were trying to kind of woo her a little bit um, to say that, you know, we're interested in collecting your work and being part of our collection. And so the conversation that ensues is about why you want this in your collection. And, and in, in, in some, the play is, is saying that, is wondering about the gaze of the white collector on all this black art they're collecting. Why are they collecting this much black art? And, and what does it mean? And, and, you know, the artist ultimately feels uncomfortable with what they're doing. And, and even though they're saying all the right things, all the, all the right liberal things to say, um, uh, it, it becomes an issue of what it means as a white collector to be collecting predominantly art about um, African-Americans, black bodies, um, that that are being, you know, she's saying almost fetishized. What, what do you think about that? That seems to well, be such yeah, a complex I mean, I think, idea. I think there is a degree to fetishization and sort of, you know, when especially there is a um, majority or sort of primary market that is run by and have been constructed by and still owned by a predominantly of white people. Um, right. And I think yeah. that gaze will always be there, and that will always be a form of questioning because um, the market, you know, has not really opened its doors to um, those black collectors that could come and uh, buy. Most most black collectors are not even greeted in the same way when they walk through the gallery door, you know, to... You know, I have to sometimes tell my gallery to make sure that they actually sell to those black collectors. So I think, you know, until we sort of change the structure of the sort of market, there's always going to be a a majority of white collectors that are collecting us because those majority of the collectors are still the large, larger patrons of the museums and the industry itself. Um, they're still the, spe- the ones who are speculating who's the star and who's not. They're still the ones determining uh, how much an artist's work is worth versus another. You know, um, I think there are more and more black collectors that are um, starting to support contemporary black artists and collecting our own art, but it's, 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 it's not been in the community of us owning and collecting because most of our collections have been stolen from us. And so just the notion of us being the majority collector of black art or, or our own art, I think that's a different conversation. You know, it's bigger than just the, the notion of white collectors collecting black art. Um, 
white collectors are the ones who have their names on the museum walls. <laughs> right. um, show me an institution or a museum where you can walk into and see the name of a prominent black person or family on the wall. Yeah, it's powerful to to think of, and it sounds like your role in this um, is 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 also pivotal. I mean, we're talking about a lot of issues in this in this brief discussion, but even the dialogue that you have with your gallerists is to help, you know, bring light to and reverse that kind of uh, structural bias, right? In terms of saying, be sure you sell to that black collector, and um, and I would imagine, you know, there's a role. It also, in terms of what you just said, having having gallery wings named after prominent black collectors as well, this is part of the progress that needs to be made. But is also something that that you're intimately involved in. It sounds like. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's really important for you know us to. I think education first is is important. I think um, you know black people. We have you know. We're 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 part of many conversations, but we're still excluded from, and we still don't always have a seat at the table. Um, and in many ways, um, even you know, the support on many levels, we're still not. You know, for I can speak from my experience now. You know, with all of the exhibitions and shows that I have coming up, that it's still. Um, really challenging to get museums to even show my work as artist who is really um respect and, and well and have my work at a, a fortunate price point but it's still different want to show the work because they think their audiences aren't ready to see incredible celebratory images of beautiful black women on their wall. Um, so it's, it's, it's still a challenge. Um, unless uh, the conversation is in some way within the notion of talking about, you know, myself and and relationship to whiteness, then it's considered uh, or deemed important to show. And I think if I wanted to celebrate and talk about black joy and black excellence, we're not ready to see that, but we're only ready to see how you want to view yourself in relationship to whiteness, then we're ready to have those conversations. Um, So... For me, um, the positivity of these images, and I will continue to show, you know, and celebrate the black female body in, in all variations, whether they're clothed or unclothed, <laughs> um, whether they're wearing a beautiful gown and sitting in a domestic space or, in, you know, a highly regarded royal space. To me, it's really about providing context and images for people to see them in themselves in a, a positive way so that way they feel a sense of impact and um, a sense of worth in themselves. 
Thanks so much for talking about that and sharing that. I really appreciate your um, your insights and thoughts on that and in the context of this show as well. I I really appreciate your time and your work in the show. I want to ask you one more question before we go a little off topic. Uh, what are you reading at the moment? Well, I started reading. I actually just got the book, The uh, um, um, Parable of Sour, and uh, I... I got this book because uh, I'm a huge fan of Octavia Butler, but there was not one of the books that I've read, but and one of the reasons why I wanted to get this book because I saw a fantastic uh, performance at Lincoln Center um, that uh, an opera by Toshi Regan and uh, Bernice Johnson Regan, which was incredible. And it just really made me think about wanting to uh, delve into Octavia, Octavia Butler again and really um, uh, just, you know, read the book and, uh, and, and learn more about it. The, the, the performance was very electric and engaging. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of Toshi Regan and, you know, her turning this... Uh, uh, book into an, an opera was just really phenomenal. And so, oh, science fiction story that was, I guess, you know, published and about this teenage girl who flees her Los Angeles uh, group of followers and amid some environmental collapse and it just makes it it's so futuristic it's so noun it's so present and of the moment that I think it's just an incredible read and I'm having fun with it but that's what sparked the interest to get this book I saw the the performance uh, uh, last month and uh, was really uh, impressed by it and you know wanted to just go and revisit Octavia Butler again because I think a lot of what she writes about, uh, you know, she's written this over 20 years ago and a lot of what is in this book is really kind of actually um, scary in a way because (laughs) it's as if she saw the future, you know. Um, And so I think it's, something that everyone should read um, mm. and just to say that everything is about the themes in my work in this particular book is all about growth and change and so like my work is about that and so Octavia Butler's. Um, McLean I want to thank you so much for talking to me today I yeah. appreciate your time and the beautiful show yeah. you put together thank you so much yeah thank you you're listening to Yale Radio WYBC This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.